Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Lord, you are our God, and you are able. No matter what we are facing, no matter what we are going through, we confess that you are able. There's no mountain you cannot move. There is no circumstance in which you cannot victoriously intervene. And so, Lord, now, in that great understanding that you are God over all things, we come to you seeking to learn from your word, seeking to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, not just to know more, but to be more, to be more like Jesus, so that when the world looks at us, they see people who are filled with hope that overflows and blesses them. And so, Lord, show us your hope today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we went around Jerusalem, one of the recurring themes of our trip was hope. As we saw all the various places where all of these significant events happened, or at least are believed to have happened by many people, we were reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, the world can be a dark place, can't it? It seems like every time I open up my news feed or turn on whatever news channel I'm watching, it seems so dark. And yet we're reminded that Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. And no matter how dark it may seem, that darkness cannot extinguish or overpower his light, no matter what. Well, today, we're going to talk about the most significant moment in all of human history. We're going to talk about the most significant moment that reshapes not only our present moment, but reshapes our eternity, our eternity, our eternal moments. All because of the victory won by our God through Jesus Christ our Lord and expressed in the fact that while we were over 6,300 miles away from here, in the place where it all happened, there was no grave for Jesus. There was no grave for Jesus. There was no ossuary containing his bones. We could go to David's tomb. We could go to Absalom's tomb. We could go to a lot of other tombs. In fact, the Mount of Olives is covered in graves. We saw a lot of graves, but the one grave we didn't see, Jesus's grave. And that's the most significant thing that has ever happened in the world, that Jesus Christ, crucified on an old rugged cross, has been raised from the dead, and he lives today. So I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 20, I'm sorry, 12 through 28, and I want to give you this theme. Everything in the Christian faith and in my life hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Everything in the Christian faith and in my life hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is not a hard sermon today. This is very easy to grasp, very easy to understand, but it's the most important truth 
that we can hear. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you're in the Red Pew Bible, that is page 961. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, and he says this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Our first point today is this. If Christ had not been raised, the Christian faith would mean nothing. If Christ had not been raised, the Christian faith would mean nothing. Let me simply go through and list what Paul just said. He said, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then preaching is in vain. What I'm doing right now is completely in vain. The fact that we've gathered on a Sunday morning is completely in vain. And not only that, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then faith is in vain. There's no point in having faith because a dead Savior can't give us anything that transcends this moment. If Christ is not raised from the dead, we are lying about God. For we proclaim that Jesus lives. And if he is not raised from the dead, then we are lying as we talk about our God. And if Christ is not raised from the dead, then God is lying about himself. For he has spoken through his word repeatedly that Jesus Christ was crucified, but now lives. If Christ is not raised from the dead, your faith is futile. Futile. If Christ is not raised from the dead, you are still in your sins. If Christ is not raised from the dead, your loved ones are gone forever. And if Christ is not raised from the dead, no matter what morals we learn from Jesus, we are of all people most to be pitied because we're holding on to a fairy tale if Christ is not raised from the dead. Let's continue. Look with me at verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Our second point. 
Because Christ has been raised, the Christian faith means everything. Because Christ has been raised, the Christian faith means everything. Jesus' resurrection means our regeneration. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus' resurrection means our justification. For in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, Paul writes that Jesus our Lord was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Jesus' resurrection is God's final word on Jesus' supremacy. In Romans chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul writes that Jesus was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus' resurrection is essential for the Christian message. And indeed, to be a Christian, you have to believe that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead. Say, how do you know? Because in Romans 10, 9, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus' resurrection is the proof that there is life beyond this. Jesus' resurrection is the proof that no matter how dreary our situation may look, it will not have the final word in the lives of those who trust and follow Jesus Christ. Jesus' resurrection is the evidence to which we look to know that our loved ones in Christ who've gone on before us, they're doing just fine. In fact, better now than they've ever been, for they're with their Lord, and they're waiting on us, and one day we'll join them. In world that knows no end. Now, if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, we need to go do something else. Eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. We better get while the getting's good. But we believe and proclaim that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Some of us traveled 6,300 miles away, and we looked, but we didn't find a grave that said Jesus of Nazareth anywhere on it. And because he lives, that means ultimately everything else is going to work out. And so now we come to the table of our Lord, this sacred meal that Jesus gave us while he was gathered in the upper room with his disciples just before the cross. He instituted this meal on the, the very night he was betrayed, and he told us to share in it and in so doing, to remember the price that he paid for us by dying on the cross. I want to invite Billy Ray Smith, our chairman of deacons, and Clint Cobb, our chair-elect of deacons, to join me at the table. And if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have repented of your sin and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are welcome to join us in this meal. The Bible says if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, to allow the elements to pass. But know this. Jesus' arms are open to receive you right this minute. And if you come to him repenting of your sin, saying, Lord, I've broken your law. I'm a sinner separated from you. 
But I believe that Jesus is the Savior, the one who died on the cross and rose again from the grave. So I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says you will be saved. And once you give your life to Jesus, we want you to participate with us in this meal. The Bible tells us that there in the upper room, gathered together with his disciples, Jesus took bread. And he broke it and he gave it to them and he said, this is my body, which is for you. In just a few moments, our deacons are going to distribute this element to you. And if you're a believer, I would invite you to take a piece of bread and to hold it. This is a symbol, a symbol of the body of Christ, which was given for you as you hold it and as you wait on everyone to be served. Just ask God to impress upon your heart just how very meaningful this is. And then once everyone has been served, we will partake together. Would you pray with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this small piece of unleavened bread. And we thank you that it symbolizes the body of our Lord Jesus, which was given for us. We pray that as we receive it, as we hold it, that it would remind us of your great love for us and the great price you have paid for us. We ask you to bless it and through it to help us remember. In Jesus' name, amen.
This small piece of unleavened bread symbolizes the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you. Take, eat, and remember. The Bible tells us that after the supper, Jesus took the cup. He said this was the cup of the new covenant in his blood, a covenant written not on tablets of stone, but on hearts of flesh. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And for centuries, priests would stand day after day, year after year, making sacrifices to atone for the sins of God's people. Those sacrifices were imperfect, for they had to be repeated day after day, year after year. Because God's people kept sinning, more sacrifices needed to be given. But the Bible says that when Jesus died and shed his blood, his sacrifice was once for all. His death on the cross was enough to cover over all the sins of God's people. All of them, past, present, future. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, but the most precious blood of all has been shed so that we might rest in his forgiveness. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the deacons will present to you the opportunity to take the cup. We invite you again to hold it, to think about what it symbolizes. The great, overwhelming, all-surpassing love of Jesus Christ for you. For he laid down his life that we might live. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you and we thank you for this cup and for all that it symbolizes. And we pray that as we receive this element, hold it, consider its meaning, or that we would be overwhelmed by your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.